Adventure Before Dementia is proudly brought to you by station sponsors The Dirt, 26 Light Crescent, Mount Barker, for all your off-road camping needs. everyone and welcome to Adventure Before Dementia on this lovely Saturday morning here in the lovely Adelaide Hills. The weather's still raining but it's still lovely outside. Hi Mike. G'day Anita, how are you? <laughs> Good, and you? Very well. So we, we're um, here today just, uh, you know, filling in the hour for you guys out there listening until nine o'clock and uh, a bit about ourselves before we get underway. Yes, why not? Well, we own a, uh, a little shop in Mount Barker for uh, camper trailer enthusiasts, I think you'd, you'd say. And uh, we have done quite a bit of travel and love travelling and we love sharing that with uh, other people. And yeah. that's what the show is all about. That's right. And on today's show... We are talking about owning an Outback pub and we are very lucky enough to have Dave and Mel Cox former owners of the Mount Dare Hotel with us. Yeah. Yay! <laughs> <There's applause. laughs> so we'll talk to uh, Dave and Mel, possibly Mel, or mostly Dave, when we come back after this uh, Ripper song by Lee Kernigan and, oh, yes, the boys from the bush. Lee Kernigan there this morning with the boys from the bush and you're with Mike and Anita here on Adventure Before Dementia on this lovely Saturday morning until 9 o'clock this morning and today we're talking about how to own and well, owning run an Outback Pub. An Outback Pub with Dave Cox. So, Dave, tell us a little bit about... Oh, hi, Dave. How are you going? Oh. <laughs> Hello. Oh, hi, Mike. Hi, Anita. How's it going? Yeah, what? no, really well, Hi, thanks. Mel. Hi. <laughs> so... Oh, Let's get serious now. Serious stuff. What are the key considerations to owning an Outback Pub? Uh, I think it's, it starts off with 100% commitment. Because, um, you know, most businesses, you can, you know, open and close the door and leave it when you when you choose to. Yep. And um, in the outback, you just can't do that. You know, mm-hmm. you're there 100% of the time. Um, can't take a day off. You mm-hmm. know, the show wants to roll the next day. You know, it doesn't matter how you feel or what's happened to you. It's all got to keep going, so. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I don't feel like talking to people today. Go away, shut the doors mm-hmm. and that. Well, sometimes yeah. you feel like that, but yeah. you, you can't have that attitude because... No. People can see right through it and before you know it, they'll be leaving and they'll be saying, geez, that bloke was grumpy. <laughs> yeah. you, have to, you, know, you have to be on it all the time. <laughs> oh, yeah. God, blimey. And uh, so I presume to own a pub, you've got to, <clears throat> got to be a licensee. What's involved in that? Oh. Uh, the, well, to own a liquor licence, you, you go through police checks and... Liquor licensing board go right through you, make sure that you haven't been bankrupt or any of those other sort of things that they don't like, and um, you know be you know of good character and and so on. But it's it's not overly hard to do as long as you haven't got any sort of gremlins in the closet. Yeah, mm. yeah. There always seems to be a few outback pubs on the market. Is that because people come in and you know want a quick exit or just? Well, the, Timing. the yeah, the one thing that you have to understand with an with an outback pub is that they're easy to buy. Like you said, there's always someone to market, but never count on selling it 
right when you want to. It, mm-hmm. it has to be a strategic sort of thing and um, it can take several years to to find the right person that wants to buy it because it is a unique thing to do, an Outback pub. It's not like any city business. It's not like any business that anyone has ever run before. Once you're in the Outback, you know, there's so many things that you have to deal with, the remoteness, mm-hmm. um, the seasonality of your business and um, all the other, you know, potential things that go along with it. You know, every bit of maintenance you, you have to be able to deal with yourself. You know, the, the plumbing breaks, oh, you're yeah. the plumber and, you know, the next day the, the something happens with the power and then you're the electrician. and Or a snake comes in. <laughs> and then you're the snake catcher. <laughs> so, we've done that before. We've had snakes oh. in the house. So, oh, God. You know, they, these are things that... You know, happen in in the outback, and that's yeah. and that's part of its intrigue. I think that that mm. keeps it interesting. Oh, and yeah, um, you know, I, I loved it. it. It was an awesome time for well, we loved it. It was an awesome time for us. Yeah. yeah. And how did you how did you find yourself at Mount Dare? I mean, for those who are not aware, Mount Dare Hotel is on the western fringe of the Simpson Desert, so it is quite a quite a popular hub for you know, adventure enthusiasts, I guess. So how did you guys find yourself there and, and yeah? Well, all too often you hear a story from people saying, oh, we, we came through here on holidays and um, and never left. And that's basically our story. Oh, God. I, I said to Melissa back in 2002, I said, oh, do you want to go to Fraser Island or do you want to go to the desert? Mm-hmm. I've been to both, so she could choose. <laughs> she chose the Simpson Desert and um, hence the rest is history. We went through there. They needed managers initially. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, within four weeks, mo- moved our, all of our belongings from Melbourne back up to up to north of Udnadatta and oh, and okay. stayed out at Mount Dare for fourteen years. Wow! Wow! Yeah, fourteen years. Woo! <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a fair stint, and yeah. um, you know, one that we've just got so many good memories out of, and oh. met some awesome awesome people, yeah. and yep. yourself included in that. Yep. Oh, shucks. <laughs> Some are more awesome than others, but, <laughs> but no, it's it's been a, a great, an awesome piece of, uh, part of our lives. Yep, yep. Oh, some people might think, you know, oh, it's easy. It'd be an easy oh, job just to own a it, pub and run it, but it's more than that, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's not what I'd call easy, but oh. it's 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 rewarding. Ah, oh. you know, and I th- I think. As your as your business builds, you, you obviously you need some staff and so on. And when when we first started, there was just Melissa and I for the first twelve months. We never had any staff. Yep. Now the place can't run with any less than six people. Wow. And and six people can be on the hop, oh. you know, pretty well all day in yep. June and July. It is super super busy oh, there. That's your main season, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Well, in excess of a hundred four wheel drives coming through, and oh, you know, over the Queen's birthday weekend when the Fink Desert races on, you can have a hundred to hundred and fifty motorcycles come through as well. Wow. Someone pumping fuel for four or five hours non-stop. Oh, God. It, it is, it, like, flat out. Yeah, it, you can't really, describe how busy it is. It, you it don't is really ridiculous. think of that, do you, that it no. would be like that because yeah. you're so remote? And, yeah, and you can't just get on the phone and get some more casual staff in to come <laughs> no. and help. You've just got to deal with it how it is. So God. everyone's usually patient and, and yep. you know, really, they're yeah, on holiday, so yep. um, they're all happy for it to be busy and congested. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Unreal, isn't it? And so is there a off-season? Oh. Like? Yeah, well, the off-season, we're in the off-season now, so mm-hmm. pretty well everyone stops travelling as the weather warms up. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, up there now it's, you know, it's going to be anywhere from 38 to 40 degrees every day. And, um, you know, most people down south are looking at, you know, their, their Christmas and organising yep. that. So, 
Um, yeah, it's very quiet up there, and as you head into this, into December and January, you know, you, you're lucky if you see a vehicle a week. Oh, okay. And you know that's one of the other things. You know, as I said before, the seasonality. Yep. You know, you're absolutely full tilt in June and July, and then in December and January, you you might not see anyone for weeks and weeks, especially if there's been a little bit of rain. You know, someone can't get in. Oh yeah, but, yeah. You know, weeks and weeks you don't see anyone, so you've got yep. it pretty well to yourself. So does this, the Simpson does shut down though, doesn't it? They it close does. It and... Yeah, it, um, probably ten years ago they introduced a, a summer closure from the first of December. Yep. Until the fifteenth of March, and oh, right. that was for public safety. Yep. Uh, the government did a risk assessment and said, well, no one's actually coming to come unstuck yet, but oh. let's try and remove that yeah. um, that part of it to, to oh. avoid it. Yeah, good idea, isn't it? Yeah, we well, shouldn't travel out there anyway. No, I've been out cool. there in December and January and February and it, it's ridiculously hot. Oh. And if you if you have trouble out there, you can be in serious danger. And your poor car. Well, that's, yeah, that's it. Oh. And um, that was part of the government's um, oh. thought process is that if someone gets into trouble out there, yep. then all of a sudden the rescuer is putting yep. their site, their cells uh, at risk as well. So. Yeah, so if someone does get stuck mm. out in the middle of the desert, yes, is it, it's be an expensive uh, ex- recovery. Yeah, isn't it? yeah. Well, it, yeah, it it can be up to you know five six thousand dollars depending on the issue oh. and, and how long it takes <laughs> to get you out. But, yeah, and it's a lot of hard work. Yeah, a lot of. Re- Recoveries take a minimum of 24 hours. Oh, yes. so, um, Let's talk more about that after a quick word from our sponsors. Stay with us. Oh, stress, mate. That's an impressive camper trailer. Where'd you get that? Mate, I bought it from the dirt off-road campers in Mount Barker. They specialise in Australian-made premium off-road campers designed to get you there and back in comfort and they're great to deal with too. Who are they, mate? The dirt off-road campers at 26 Light Crescent, Mount Barker. Now that I've given you the dirt, I suggest you get to the dirt yourself. The dirt off-road campers. Check out the dirt. 4wd.com.au. Hills Radio Sponsor. That was Jothu Yindi. Oh, with, uh, that was a bit of a weird ending. With World is Turning, and you're listening to Mike and Anita on Adventure Before Dementia this wet and yucky Saturday morning here up in the Adelaide Hills. And of course, on today's show, we've got Dave and Mel Cox from uh, X Mount Air Hotel now, isn't it? Yes, that's right. Yeah, yes. been out of it two years now. Woohoo! Oh, no, no, I shouldn't say that. But let's, uh, oh, I, I don't know. After 14 years, you, I think you look forward to getting out of it. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Oh, but. But. When you were there, when was like, what were we talking about just before? Well, it's just it's a full-time job. Yeah. You know, you've got to. You don't have a break. You've, you've got to be always there, even in the off-season. And, um, I mean, what sort of things would you do in the off-season? Uh, in the off-season... We'd um, catch up on a lot of things that get neglected during the year. Uh, as I said before, we, you, you get so busy that you know, if something breaks, you might have to put a few band-aids on something, but you might not get the chance to fix it properly. Yep. So um, when, it, when it's 40 degrees and um, <sighs> you've got nothing else better to do, you might get out there and dig a hole and fix a pipe or... <laughs> um, you know, go and weld something up that, that needs repairing or, you know, the... the the maintenance issues is so infinitely variable. You just never know what what yeah. you have to do. But um, you just sort of balance that a little bit. As I said, when it's so hot, it's um, you know you go and do what you can for a part of the day, and and don't try and overdo it. And um, then in the afternoon or the hottest part of the day, you might duck inside and watch cricket or something like that. <laughs> so, what's your background, Dave? 
Well, I'm an electrician by trade. Mm-hmm. I've got quite a lot of automotive um, experience, uh, building experience, and uh, that makes me very handy out there. That does. Yeah. God, follow me. <laughs> and uh, with your family, you uh, went out to the into the desert as a married couple and uh, made the... some babies. <laughs> oh, well, what does, was it like? Doesn't <laughs> What was it like uh, bringing up two young girls in the desert? Oh. Well, that just uh, the planning for having children when you're in a remote area is. Um, our obstetrician ran through that, and our doctors mm-hmm. ran through that quite carefully. And they say, right, at however many weeks it is, um, you, you must be in Alice Springs and near the hospital. Mm-hmm. I think that's four weeks prior to the due date. Yep. And, um, you know, they try and eliminate any any um, potential um, risk of the baby coming early. As the last thing you want to do is have a, yeah. have a well, for us, first-time baby, like, you know, second or third time, you've sort of got a little bit of an idea, but the very first time, <laughs> you've got zero idea about what happens yeah. when a baby's born, so... And um, that, after seeing both of our children born, uh, it's not something that I would want to undertake without, mm-hmm. you know, medical attention anyway. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, we had to be in Alice Springs, so um, along with that, you know, the Mount Dare, you can't leave it unattended. Mm-hmm. Someone has to be there. But ma- how far away is Mount Dare from Alice Springs? About a six-hour drive. Ah, that's good. So, yeah, I, I went labour, let's go. And then six hours later. Yeah, well, yeah, well that's, yeah, that, that's all part of the risk that the doctors don't want you to have. Yep. Um, you know, you're obviously uncomfortable when you're mm-hmm. getting to that into your pregnancy. So. Wow. So, so, so you be in Alice Springs where you've got attention right near you. Were you able to make it to the hospital? <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, that's right then. Yeah. <laughs> no, we were in there the four weeks prior to, to due date oh. for our Okay. Our first one, and um, you know, we were lucky enough that we had some some good staff that mm-hmm. um, were able to extend their um, stay at the end of the season because that was October for our first baby. She yep. was born in in October, and um, you know they looked after the pub while we were in Alice Springs. Um, stayed up in a hotel, so having oh. a children when children when you live in the outback is not a cheap exercise no. either because <laughs> we didn't own a home in Alice Springs. We had to stay yeah. in a motel for four weeks. So oh god, yeah. But, Starts to get a bit expensive, yeah. but nonetheless, it's you have to build that into you know, your experience, and mm-hmm. you have to do that. Yeah, you can't avoid it. And now, and how, what about with schooling and things like that? Was that well? Australia is lucky enough that it has an awesome School of the Air program, and uh, everyone knows that School of the Air operated on HF radio years ago. Mm-hmm. But it, it has progressed in the last ten years, and with the introduction of um, video link internet. Hot, they got high speed oh. internet at every every station. Wow! And it's two two way video, so it's it's a lot faster than what most people have got in their homes, and certainly oh, yeah. faster than what we've got back in Melbourne. Oh. <laughs> and that's all that's all um, supplied by the government at uh, no extra fees um, than you would pay for any child to go to any state school. Oh wow, that's good. And they probably and, and they get one on one schooling then. They do. It? And look, school of the air is is not a cop out education. Yeah, uh, their standards are really really high. Wow. And uh, Melissa's day with the children w- would be far more intense than what they get at a school now. Wow. I, th- I think going to a public school is a cop-out. Yep. Like, th- I know how much time Melissa spent with the kids. Yep. And it's it's far more than what they ever spend at school. Wow. Far more. And um, then the behind-the-scenes work for for the um, the tutor, or Melissa in this case, is um, you know another hour or two's work at the God. end of the day. Gee. Um, sending stuff into the teacher. Yep. 
and um, oh, yeah, of course yeah, it's it's fun. pretty full on. But I guess it's sort of something rewarding about that as well, yeah. about saying, hey, I contributed to to the children's education, oh, and in some ways, I sort of wish we were back there, given the standard of um, some of our kids learning now that they're getting from our public school. Yeah, and that well, they're a couple of good, great kids anyway. So. Yeah, no, they awesome they are kids. awesome kids and they pick up spiders and all yucky yeah. stuff. It just <laughs> <laughs> so is there much interaction with the neighbouring station owners? Um, yeah, you, you try and do that as often as you can, especially in the off season. You know, mm-hmm. they usually got a barbecue going on a Sunday afternoon or something like that. But our nearest neighbours were at New Crown, and and that was about an hour's drive, oh, so wow. 70, seventy kilometres on dirt road. So. Yep. We'd pile in the car, jump up to their place and they'd have a, some meat cooking on the barbecue and a few Forex Golds later and so on and um, have a really pleasant afternoon. And, and that's about the longest mm-hmm. we would spend away from Mount Dare and leave it unattended is, mm-hmm. you know, four or five hours or um, into the evening or something like that. But huh. we would never leave it for any more, any, anything more than yeah. that unattended with no one there. Yeah. Back in ten. Yeah, well, yeah, that's <laughs> right. Look, and the main reason for that is that when you're on generator power, it, you never know 100% that that generator is not going to stop for, for any reason, especially in the hot weather. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, when it's 45 and 48 degrees and you've got this motor running inside a tin shed, yeah, you know, they can overheat and they can shut down and then if that happens, you have no power, so all Ooh. of your refrigeration stops as well. Yeah. And that's the main consideration is that you don't want to lose and spoil all of your food. Well, that's something... Hmm. The good and the bad of the yeah. Outback pub. Yeah, well, at least you don't have to deal with an electricity company. All you've got to do is keep feeding diesel into it. Oh, yep. yeah. <laughs> we might come back after these uh, words from our sponsors and find out some good and bad and weird. Otherwise. The good, the bad and ugly. <laughs> what do you reckon? Yeah? That's All good. Right. We'll be back after this break. Stay with us. You're with Adventure Before Dementia here on 88.9 FM. Hills Radio with Mike Anita and Dave Cox from X Mount Dare. Troy Casadaly there with I Love This Place and we're speaking to Dave Cox from, or X Mount Dare, I can yeah. say that, can't I? Yep. <laughs> uh, Dave and Mel Cox and you're on Adventure Before Dementia here on 88.9 FM Hills Radio until 9 o'clock and we're finding out all the goss on... Owning an Outback Pub. Yeah. Now, before the break, we were talking a little bit about family and uh, yep. the challenges of raising family in the bush. But uh, take us back to that first time where you came through Mount Dare. Um, it was obviously in a different state to what it is today. Yeah, tell us about that. The well, the reputation of the place wasn't wasn't very good, and any traveller on the track oh. that we met, um, you'd say, "Oh, we're going to go." Up. You know, we want to go up the Gan Heritage Trail and. We'll go through Mount Dare and I think, oh, yeah, there's not much there. Um, you'd luck, be lucky if they're open, sort of. That was that was about all the feedback that we got about the place. And we said, oh, well, let's go and check this place out. We're going through there anyway. Yeah, so we called in and, yeah, there was a couple of old blokes there and they were just um, <laughs> caretaking the place at the time oh. in um, in Easter of 2002. So still quite hot and not too many people around. And, um, yeah, and they said, oh, they're going to close this place down. And so we inquired a little bit further about it, and um, and then that's as I said earlier. We um, four weeks later we ended up moving in there after negotiating to be managers for the place. But yeah, and oh, what what was there? Uh, there was a a little a, a small building, probably twice the size of this studio, that yep. used to be the old station kitchen. Oh. 
Mm. And that was that was the hotel. Mm-hmm. And so I think if you had about 20, 25 people in there, you were shoulder to shoulder. It was a busy, busy little building. Yep. And um, but but with that, and um, given the age of the building and the nature of the outback with its um, termites, uh, the building was quite um, rickety and uh, in need of a lot of repair or demolition and it's a bit hard to tell how much repair you need until you start having a great look but um, as time went by we knew that there was no saving this this building and it was too small anyway to be practical we wanted to grow the business and um, there was no room in there. How did you go though Dave from you're on holiday you're just traveling through a place and all of a sudden some thought comes into your mind I mean what what was that all about? Oh, uh, about moving, yeah. moving from the city and going yeah, to the well, outback. Well, doesn't everyone have that thought? <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, yeah, it's, it was some. I've always wanted to do something a bit different and travel. Oh, ever since I was a kid, I, who knows what the reason was. Mm-hmm. And um, always, I've loved the outback and and travelled you know extensively around Australia and different various different places. And um, yeah, we just had a look at each other and said, "This is awesome." You know, we've got to give this a go. And, and at mm. first it was only for a 12-month period. So after that, if we didn't like it, we could have moved on. So okay. if initially someone said, oh, you're going to be here for the next 14 years, then may have thought about it a little bit more. Yeah. But, <laughs> but we thought, no, we'll give it a go. We'll yeah. commit to that. And that's what we did. Oh. So you managed the place for 12 months and yes. then you, you thought that it needed a little bit of uh, TLC. Yes, that, yeah, little, that's right. But a lot. Um, yeah, <laughs> it did need a lot of TLC. But after the management period, we negotiated to buy it. Yep. And um, so then we did some work on the place, and um, we needed a, a new building for our hotel because, as I said, the other one's too small. Oh. Plus, it's falling apart. Uh, one thing that we couldn't do, we couldn't do meals. Uh, we didn't oh. have uh, anywhere to sell groceries or anything. There was no toilets in the building. Uh, there wasn't anywhere oh, to to sit down there was really no facilities in there so we said let's build a new a new building so we converted an old shed extended it made it bigger built a customized kitchen storeroom as I was something we couldn't store anything in this building oh either all of our stored goods were in our, in the house yep <laughs> and um yeah so we we built this building um and it was 200 square meters and had a proper office in there and yeah, all of the things that any any proper business should have. And uh, th- once we did that, like, we just got busier and busier and busier every year that went by. I and think word spread that... Uh, well... Dave and Mel have recreated <laughs> Mount Dare and you got to go there and check it out. Yeah, well, we... Um, you know, th- there's the old saying that if you build it, they will come. And, mm. and I think that that's true in this particular case. Mm. Yep. We built a facility and people wanted to come to it they had a great experience when they came and visited us Mm. they were able to get all of their necessary supplies and enjoy themselves and you know an outback hotel it's different to a city hotel yeah Mm -hmm. uh when people go to a city hotel you know you bump into the person next to you and you say sorry mate and that's the last word you'll ever say to them (laughs) in in an outback pub you go in there and say oh where have you been have you been across the desert have you come from udnadatta or what was the track like and and you People make friends in these places, you know. You, you just bump into someone and then, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm from Mitcham, you're from Ringwood or something like that. You know? <laughs> oh, really? You're in a corner from where I, <laughs> where so, I live. Yeah, that's right. So it, it's amazing who you can bump into in, in, in little outback pubs. But it's not, it's not about the pub per se. It's about the environment to which you provide for where 
people can gather and 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 enjoy themselves. You yeah. know, you don't have to like alcohol or anything like that. You can no, go and drink a coffee or just have a meal or something. But in, the interaction with other people yeah. and and the people behind the bar, whether it was myself or my staff, yeah. we try and keep them, you know, very friendly and informative mm. and yeah. um, behind the bar and help make that part of their experience. So out there now is like a restaurant. Yes. And uh, well, a yeah, shop. restaurant, a little bit of a shop, um, a few four-drive accessories and things like that that you might need. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the fuel sales, of course, the diesel and um, premium unleaded. Uh, the workshop, so cater for minor to you know, med- moderate <laughs> mechanical repairs. Mostly major, uh, though. <laughs> well, yeah, well, some were major, but you know, often it's tyres, really. You're, you're, you're doing you know, probably several... You know, several tyres a day, so you get Ooh. good good with the tyre machine. <laughs> and um, you had accommodation. Yes, we had cabins, uh, campground, and um, your showers and yeah, the toilets. Yeah, and, yeah, the, uh. yeah. Well, that was something else. We we renovated just before we left. Actually, oh. the shower blocks for the campground oh. needed a full renovation. So wow, it just goes on and on. But but nonetheless, any any business has to go through you know maintenance yeah. and and growth. So. Mm. It's not something you say, oh, I wish I didn't have to do that, but you just have, you do it and you provide better facilities and yeah. people continue to talk about you in a positive way. Yeah. Oh, wow. Cool. Amazing. And, little, uh, little oasis out in the desert. Yes. <laughs> how did you, um, how did you promote the business? How did you, uh, uh, apart from word of mouth? Yeah, look, advertising is one of those things. It is really, really easy to waste money advertising. Mm-hmm. And we used to do um we used to go and visit the uh, adelaide caravan camping show and we'd have a little stand down there and and um, promote the business there but mm-hmm. also with um some print media with the magazines you know full drive action four by four australia mm-hmm. and those sorts of magazines and um the association with those magazines and mm-hmm. interaction with them yep um, full drive action uh, was lucky enough to do a few dvds with them and a few t- trips yep. and um Oh, so they come out and they ask if you come out and show them. Yeah, guide them through spots. the desert and oh, yeah. um, hopefully add some positive content to their DVDs. <laughs> yeah. And they say, "Oh, can you come with us on our trip?" And say, "You sure?" <laughs> but um, no, they um, no, I think we we put out a few good DVDs with four wheel drive action, and um, mm-hmm. even today back in Melbourne, you know, I'm I'm installing some air conditioners at the moment just to pass some time for in between jobs and uh, <laughs> and on two occasions someone said to me, "Do I know you?" <laughs> so um, yeah, there's there's plenty of people around that have seen that seen these videos, but Doing that's all. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Yeah. But that's all part of your um, your advertising as well, and um, you know, but you're being involved with with that sort of thing is is great fun on my part oh, but yeah. it's helping promote the business and um yeah. you know getting people to come out to your facility well especially putting a face to the place and they yes. want to come out and see you and go can i have your autograph <laughs> there was a little bit of that oh was it yeah I'm, I'm not a i'm, I'm not much of a show pony <laughs> it's good i suppose for the viewers that they can actually see the video and what yes. to expect in yep. these places rather than reading about it in books and other articles. Oh, yeah, for you know? sure. And in this day and age with the internet, the in, if you don't know, 
information about where you are travelling, mm-hmm. you, you haven't looked because yep. it is out there. Oh, yep. You just spend 10 minutes on the internet and you can find information about yep. anywhere, any destination that you want to go to. Mm-hmm. And so, and people did that. So we've um, had a fairly good website. There was lots of information on there, not just mm-hmm. about Mount Air, but about the region. Yep. And I, I've always been a firm advocate that people didn't travel from the city to come and visit us at Mount Air. Yeah, sure, we're on their itinerary, but they're coming to experience the outback and oh. the Simpson Desert and so on. So we had to, we found that we needed to give them as much information about the outback, Simpson Desert, yep. the tracks, and other businesses around the area too. And they say, oh, well, we're going to go up across the desert, we're going to go to Birdsville, we're going to go to Mungarani. And say, oh, yeah, Birdsville Hotel, this, that, and the other. And you give them information about Birdsville, and then, yep. you know, they might be going down to Mungarani. And so I'll say, good day to Phil down there or something like that. But, oh, yeah. you know, and, and you tell them a little bit of information about where they're going. And before you know it, they, they head to those places and they say, oh, yeah, I know the publican's name, and, mm-hmm. you know, and I know a little bit about it. And it, it helps them connect with them a little easier. Mm. Now, there's no real Mount Dare, is there? There's no mountain no. out there. <laughs> oh, no, it must have been a blind person that named this place because M- Mount Dare was actually on the Abminga Creek. Uh-huh. Oh. So quite quite the opposite of a mountain, really, to be honest. But yeah. it's it's thought that the Mount Dare station was named after a mountain that's about 30 kilometres away in the Northern Territory. Okay. But it was spelt D-A-E-R. Oh. And that's uh, apparently a, a German spelling... Um, and that was named after a Constable Thomas Dare that used to be at the old Charlotte Waters repeater station okay. back in the late 1800s, mm-hmm. uh, early 1900s. So, yeah, yeah that's, that's where the name came from. And, and I guess uh, us being Australians, we say, oh, oh yeah. Dare, Dare, Dare? Oh, yeah. oh, I'm just going to call it Dare. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so it got changed to D-A-R-E, and, um, but still in the creek. And it was a very, very low area. And um, yep. when it rained around Mount Dare, you often found yourself quite isolated with lots and lots of water around mm-hmm. oh. Hey, let's hear more about uh, rain in Mount Dare when we come back after these words from our sponsors. Oh, stress, mate. That's an impressive camper trailer. Where'd you get that? Mate, I bought it from the dirt off-road campers in Mount Barker. They specialise in Australian made premium off-road campers designed to get you there and back in comfort and they're great to deal with too. Who are they, mate? The dirt off-road campers. They're 26 Light Crescent, Mount Barker. Now that I've given you the dirt, I suggest you get to the dirt yourself. The dirt off-road campers. Check out the dirt for WD. You are listening to Adventure Before Dementia here on 88.9 FM Hills Radio until 9 o'clock this morning with Anita Mike and Dave and Mel from uh, uh, X Mount Dare. Yes. There we go. So, but now we've got, uh, Mike, you were talking about um, the... Weather, weather. challenges <laughs> over the years. Now, uh, we were talking about flood just before the, before the break. Were there, there were obviously a couple of times where you were inundated by water? Yeah, well, <laughs> rain out there in a desert region never rained very often and 150 millimetres of annual rainfall is not a great deal. Mm-hmm. So, um, but in one rain event, you could have 60 or 70 millimetres of rain. Yep. And um, as I said, Mount Dare's in a creek. So there was a bit of a levee bank going all the way around, which mm-hmm. helped keep the water out of your workshops and, and yep. all those sorts of places. So, um, and, you know, it, it would often have water all the way around us and um, cutting us off for, you know, sometimes a couple of weeks at a time. Wow. And, uh, 
Yeah, I think you, everyone remembers when Cyclone Yazi came through. What was that, uh-huh. 2010 or something like that? Uh-huh. I think yep. it was. Yeah. February or something. And they said, oh, this, you know, this, all this rain heading across through Queensland. Well, it was rumoured that it was going to come through Alice Springs, of all things. It's just travelled 2,500 mm-hmm. kilometres from the coast. Yep. It's hard to imagine, but, um, yeah, the, the Yazi rain band came headed south from Mount Isa and headed right over the top of little old Mount there <laughs> with its annual rainfall of 150 millimetres. I think we got 250 millimetres in a 24-hour period. Oh, my goodness, really? And that oh, was more really? rain than we'd ever had there. And as I said, it's more than our annual, wow. in, all in one one day or one 24-hour period. And, it yeah, it rained, it breached the levee bank. We had water in the pubs, you know, 750 millimetres deep. Wow. Um, through all the workshops, it, yep. you know, numerous buildings... Um, there was water everywhere. It was quite quite devastating, and um, I wasn't there at the time. I was on my way back from Alice Springs with a with some supplies, mm-hmm. and um, our managers that were there at the time, Jeff and Karen and Melissa with the kids, mm-hmm. were there, and um, it was still raining. And we said, "Well, if this water level comes up any more, another two inches, there's water in our house." Oh. Yeah. And so at that point in time, um, our children were only, I think, maybe. Two. Crystal might have just turned two. Oh, right. And um, so Charlotte would have been four. And um, with liaising with the with the police, they decided that they'd send a rescue helicopter up to pick up Melissa and the kids. Because wow. if the water came in the pub at night time, it was just, you know, we talked about risk before. It was yeah. one of those risks that they didn't ne- think was necessary. So yeah. they sent up this great big MAC helicopter. Oof up from Adelaide to come and pick Mel and the kids up. And, um, wow. They couldn't land because this thing is, like, massive. And um, nowhere to land, of course, because everywhere's covered in water. So mm-hmm. up the winch rope they go and, oh, you know, the, the little kids and Melissa are all getting winched up to this helicopter. Crikey. And, um, standing below a helicopter while it's running is, is not the most pleasant thing. You no, might as well be, in, be inside a cyclone yourself. So. Oh. Um, yeah, they, they got carted down to Udnadatta and, oh. and spent the week down there and I managed to get back to Mount Dare a couple of days after that um, through our good neighbours and they, they picked me up in their helicopter and flew me back over. Wow. And that flight is something I've never seen before. The amount of water yep. over that countryside, I said, oh, I have never seen it look like this. Wow. There's virtually no land left. Oh, yeah. God, you just can't fathom that. Yeah. But right out there it would be that. No. Wet yeah, that's right. And it, while that was, you know, one of the most devastating things, that, or definitely the most devastating thing that happened to us in our 14 years at Mount Dare, um, I guess there's no point, you know, holding your head low and, you know, burying yourself in your sorrows. It, it doesn't fix the problem. No. Mm. So we were in there and we cleaned it up. We took the pressure washer into the pub and we just pressure washed everything. Well. Yep. Ute load after ute load of spoiled food because all the freezers float yep. and they turn upside down. And yep. it is just the, the amount of mess out of a flood. I, I think, short of burning your house down, I don't think there's any other way that you can be more devastated. Yeah. And it may be burning it down, sort of, at least you pushed a whole lot out of the way. Yeah. This way, you just got to clean everything yeah. and you've got to find water and mud that got into everything. Yeah. Far out. So does it bring on sort of rodent infestations after those sorts of activities? Yes. Well, with with that amount of rain, the countryside flourished so so greatly that we had a mouse plague, mm-hmm. and then a rat plague, and it sort of it's like it goes along the chain. The food it, cycle. Yeah, it's a food <laughs> cycle, and um, then we had um, feral cat plague. Oh no! And um, so 
you know, one week you're buying bucket loads of mouse and rat bait, and then oh. the next day you're buying 22 shells so that you can fix up all these feral cats. Oh, God. And, like, they were just everywhere. Yeah. It was ridiculous. The amount of feral cats in this country is just, yep. it's just wrong. Oh, no. That's just unreal, isn't oh, it? Oh, they're a vicious thing, too. Oh, yeah, yuck, yuck. What about snakes? Do you see many snakes in sort of... You'd, flood conditions? Yeah, um, well, no, not so much with the flood conditions, yeah. but over a years, yeah, we saw snakes. It, yep. I think on average you'd see three or four snakes a year. Yep. And, of course, they were always around. That's only what you saw. Yep. And um, I think on two or three occasions we've had them in the house. Mm-hmm. And um, But I guess we always brought our kids up. As I said, they, they were born up there. Yep. It, we... It, trained them in snake safety all the time about yep. what to do when when and if they ever saw a snake and yep. they always did the right thing they mm-hmm. saw a snake they stand still or walk back from it and go and tell someone yeah. and they were they were always really good with that oh, yeah. wow so that's the um low points of uh, <laughs> being out there what yeah. were some of the highlights and the the highlights um some of the people i got to meet through that one one very special person that i met um, back in 2006 was Michael Ayland. Oh, he yep. came through when they were doing their, um, well, it must have been the 40th anniversary of the cro- West East Crossing of Australia. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. And he was 67 at the time and, and really starting to look a little bit ill health through, um, mm-hmm. I think he had Parkinson's or something. I'm, oh, okay. Can't quite yes. remember. Oh, but yeah. but to, to meet someone like that was absolutely amazing to mm-hmm. me. And, and, and I know you guys met Mel Ayland um, not too long ago. And I, I guess you probably felt the same. We we grew up watching these guys on TV yeah. and thinking, look at that place, wouldn't that be awesome to go yeah. there? And I think that they can hold themselves responsible for a lot of us wanting to travel around Australia. Yeah. And um, I, I think that's, a, that's a, a pretty good mantle to carry around because Australia is such a wonderful country to... Yep. to see and have those people, you know, bring that into, into our land room so that we could experience it ourselves. Oh, yeah. It was just brilliant. Yeah. And have you met other interesting sort of, can we say, famous people? Or characters. <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, I've met lots of people. We've had, um, oh, Tony Lockett came through <laughs> one day when the, um, he was riding in the Fink Desert race. So okay. Yeah, he yep. came through with a group of motorcyclists. and. Yep. And that was a busy time of year for us, so Ooh, I think I yeah. said, oh, hi, Tony, and that was about it. And <laughs> Melissa always says, you never got a photo with him, eh? you play for the swans, I love that. And I always get bagged out for that. But <laughs> I didn't have time, honestly. And um, uh, another bloke who is very unassuming and, and a quiet fella is Daryl Beatty. Okay. Oh, he's, yeah. he's been through a few times and brings a, a few motorcyclists through and riding dirt bikes, but... You see him on TV and I think that's out of character for you, Daz. <laughs> he's such a quiet bloke and, and yet he's a, you know, a, commentator. a commentator on TV. And a, <laughs> see, he is he is a really awesome, awesome bloke, that Daryl Beatty. Uh, yeah. Well, he probably thinks you're an awesome bloke too. <laughs> well, yeah. Maybe. But, yeah, and, then, and then there's other people associated with the, the you know, forward driving fraternity, um, you know, John Ruth. Oh, yep. And... Um, Ruthie. Yeah, the, yeah, Ruthie, um, Ron Moon, and yep. uh, Pat Callan, and all those sorts of blokes. Mm-hmm. But um, unless you're into four driving, you don't know those sorts of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about any other uh, experiences? Say with um, I don't know, maybe some groups that have come through. If I can say, when we went through in 2011, we had a group of uh, T vanners that came in and 
Yeah, it was it was just before they opened the desert and yeah. we were all sitting there having a fantastic meal <laughs> and then you came out and said with the piece of paper the desert's open. The desert's open. That was yeah. that was awesome. Yeah, it's like waving the waving the flag at the start <laughs> of a Grand Prix, isn't it? Go. And um, yeah, and well, going on when the desert opens there, it's um, as said before, it's it's closed over the summertime, and um, people used to say, "Oh, how's that going to affect your business?" Well, for a start, no one travels in the desert in the summertime, and and I would never recommend they did. But what it did is it had actually the opposite effect. It made the the 16th of March like a like a starting uh. a starting point or a, a starting gate and um, and and people would come up and say I want to be the first to cross the desert for that year mm-hmm. and that that ended up being you know a, a really a season opener for us and we'd have a, a busy period for a for a week it's still quite hot then remember it's oh. 40 degrees yeah. on um, virtually every day and about 28 overnight out in the desert so yeah not the most pleasant but really for me the best time you could ever drive out in the desert is mm. is that march april period mm-hmm. you know you get out there and you'll have the best experience the best driver's experience out in that in that Simpson Desert. And of course, when we were there, when you go up Big Red on the yep. other side, it yep. was a, a lake. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that. That's a, a rarity as well with with such a heavy um, period of rain mm. that we had for sort of twelve months. Um, to see that much water out in the desert and around Big Red, you know, people live in Birdsville that have never seen water around Big Red. Yeah. And now we used to go up there. I used to have everyone complain to me saying oh. it's supposed to be the red centre and it's green. <laughs> And um, I think I went out into the desert at, at least a dozen times and it rained every time I went out into the Simpson. Oh. I, I couldn't believe it. I thought it was spectacular. Oh, it is. And yeah. and that's what I say to them. I say, come back in another year's time. It'll be red again. Don't worry about that. <laughs> but appreciate it while it's green. Yeah, the flowers and yes. the dingoes were all healthy, oh, the few yeah. we saw. and yep. Just this was a oh. different perspective of it all. And so. the, the carpet of flowers, yeah, the, oh. it, that is just amazing if you're yep. into... Botanics of flowers at all. This seeing that was just truly amazing. Yeah, yeah, very good. 